0: Um, Greetings to you all, Um, it gives me great delight and joy to be here with you. Uh, My greetings to Pastor Rand that is not here today, um, and the Elder Charles and the rest of the leadership team. Thank you so much for for having us. It's a great privilege to be asked to um, stand on this pulpit and and give God's word. Um, I won't waste your time if you turn your Bibles to... Matthew chapter 13, and we're just going to look at some verses there um, from verses 24. Matthew chapter 13, from verses 24. I'm going to read God's word, and I will just affirm uh, the child's prayer and we'll go straight into it from verse 24. Does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? And he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my band. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us just pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Even as Elder Charles has prayed, O Lord, please let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Help me to be able to articulate your word with clarity and simplicity. Not to impress anyone, O Lord, but to declare your word and proclaim it with boldness. Father, Lord, we came into your house with diverse needs and desires and confusion and affliction. Father, may we go, oh Lord, with a fresh perspective to fight the good fight of the faith. Help us, oh Lord, to leave your house with the conviction that our situation doesn't need to be pleasant in order for us to be faithful to you. So be with us, oh Lord, as we give you thanks. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. My assignment to today's brief is to encourage you to grow. Life is hard, life is tough. If you've been living long enough, like me, you will realize life is just complex. Our challenges are so complicated. And often, our failure to identify the root causes of our issues only serve to increase the intensity of our challenges. There are so many things at play in our lives. What announces itself to us is oftentimes not the recalls of the issues that we face. There is a need for us to grow in discernment because the text before us gives us multiple players. We see the master who is the son of man that plants seed in his field. We see the enemy that came in to sow weeds in order to stop the good seed from growing. We see the servants that were asleep and they were concerned. But we also see the land. Is it not interesting that the very place that something good can happen is also the same place that the enemy can use to afflict us? And that is our discouragement and heaviness, isn't it? How come a relationship that ought to be a blessing to me, to be an encouragement to me, has turned out to be a relationship that has caused me so grim, much pain? How come the church of God, where we ought to dwell in fellowship and like-mindedness, to pray for one another, to care for one another, has actually become a place where people gossip about us when they discover our struggles? And we cannot understand why the very place that I experience so much joy is still the same place that the enemy uses to afflict me. And for some of us, we spend so much time just paying attention to all the things that are going wrong in our lives that we become so distracted that we no longer see the hand of God moving in our lives. You will never be able to grow in grace as long as you spend time focusing on what the enemy is doing against you. So the purpose of this parable is for us not to focus on the trivialities and the things that the enemy is doing, but to look up and say one day it will all be over. So my encouragement to you is to say to you that your, your situation does not need to be pleasant in order to you to fulfill the purposes of God. Let me illustrate where I'm going with this message so you see what I'm trying to do. Suppose I've been to this church a couple of times. Actually, my third time of coming to this church. Suppose I walked in today and I say to Elder Charles, Elder Charles, you know the seat arrangement is not good. Perhaps you may need to move the pulpit and put it over there. Perhaps the color scheme is not right. It's not attractive to members of the public. Oh, the arrangement of the um, instruments is not nice. You need to move it somewhere else. I guarantee you, Elder Charles, will not let me come up on this pulpit. But in a similar way, is that not what we do in God's kingdom. The fact that God has justified us, Romans 5, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And through him, we have access into his grace in which we stand. But having been justified, most of us spend our time just talking about everything that is going wrong. And it's almost like we're saying to God, God, in order for you to get my worship, in order for you to get my attention, in order for you to, 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 to cause me to do the things that you've called me to do, you need to change my situation. That is not working, Lord. That relationship needs to change, Lord. That my work manager needs to change. Oh, my pastor doesn't get me. As long as you change that situation, Lord, you're going to get my attention. But here is the thing, the point I want to leave to, you to with you today. God does not need to change your situation in order for you to experience the greatness of his power towards you. Amen. We see the son of man, the, the master in this text that is the son of man, and the title, the son of man, actually identifies Jesus' humanness is perfection. The one who fulfilled the requirement of the law on our behalf. The one that did what no man could do. The second Adam that paid the penalty for our sin, and by virtue of his sacrificial death and his ascension, is presented himself before the throne room of God, Daniel 7.13, and it's been confirmed that all authority has been given to him. By virtue of that authority, the day of Pentecost happened and 3,000 people became saved. True is perfect work in our soul's good seed. That's you and me. When things are not working in our lives, what do we often tell ourselves that we're never good enough? The seed and the salvation that God has given to you is perfect. Perfect. And there's nothing wrong with you, even though things around you is crumbling. You are not your situation. And if the son and the perfect savior has decreed and said, you are perfect, you are perfect. You are his good seed. You are the one through which he wants to proclaim the gospel and draw all the people to him. Matthew 5, you are the salt of the world. You are the light. Stop using the challenges and day-to-day affliction to evaluate your identity and who you are in God. Just because your situation is a mess does not mean you're a mess. The sun planted good seed in the soil. And one of the things that we struggle with if God loves me so much and he's got all power. How come it will allow the enemy to bring evil people so close to us? Don't you struggle with that? I would like to think that God, if you want my loyalty, just makes everything perfect, isn't it? Because I can easily tell people about the gospel. How can I proclaim the gospel when everything around me is crumbling, how come the wicked are prospering, but the saints are being persecuted like we just prayed? How can I go and tell people about the gospel? And it's interesting that the very moment that the, the Christ planted the, the good seed and saved you, the text is actually telling us there is this Co-occurrence, that things are happening simultaneously, the same moment God is doing something great, is the same time the enemy is sowing the seed. Why did God allow it? Why did God put me in that difficult relationship? Why did God allow those things to happen? Let me just put it out there before you. You will never know the greatness of God's power towards you in the absence of affliction. Do you notice that even though the enemy planted the weeds, immediately the wheat were planted, that did not stop the wheat from appearing. He that is for you is greater than he that is against you. And sometimes we spend our time focusing and saying, Lord, I want to see your power. Oh, Lord, the only way I can see your power is if you change the situation. Oftentimes the power of God is being displayed when it sustains us even in the midst of our afflictions. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when David was anointed, the moment he was anointed king, the Bible says, and the evil spirit came upon Saul. But it's interesting that the same moment David was anointed, where did David go? He was positioned in the palace where an evil spirit dwells. You thought your anointing will safeguard you from affliction. What was God doing? God was saying to David, 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 before you even start this race, let me make it clear to you. You've got the skills to kill bears. You've got the skills to kill lions. You've got the skills to wage war. But you haven't got what it takes to conquer an evil spirit. But I'm saying to you that that which you don't have, that which you don't have experience, my anointing is able to preserve you. You're doubting whether God is for you because things are not working out well. It is the very things that the enemy is using to discourage you are the things that God uses to confirm his great power towards you. That didn't stop the wheat from growing. What am I saying to you, brothers and sisters? Stop using the the presence of weeds and difficult people in your life as an excuse not to grow in the things of God. Oh Lord, the reason I'm not growing is because of this and that and this. The greatness of God's power, like I said, is not displayed in the absence of weeds and difficult people and enemies. It is done even in the midst of them. Psalm 23, that prepares a table before me, even in where? In the presence. What God would do for your life, he would do it in the very place and in, the, in front of people that told you it cannot happen. And this is why our church, we've gone so weak because we feel we need to just bury ourselves in the ground and we don't want to talk about the greatness of God's power because we don't want to be seen that we're preaching this healing and healing and healing. But we need to be bold and say, God is for me. Do you notice that in the text, the enemy is described as his enemy? We get discouraged sometimes because everything that happens against us, we see it as it's, it's against me. You're not the center of your salvation. Stop taking things too personally. It's not about you. When was the last time that you said, like David, the battle belongs to the Lord? What is this text telling us? That every affliction against God's elect is a direct attack against Christ himself. When you have that rich perspective, You begin to see your problem as your purpose. Your mess can turn into your message. Your affliction can become your assignment. Why? Because you open yourself up. God, you have an opportunity now to display the greatness of your power. When the affliction begins to come and people begin to hurt us, one of the things we don't do too well Is that we get so self-centered and begin to think about us? But you notice that the the servants in this parable notice that there was something different from what the master has planted. And even though they were concerned, they said, "Lord, you planted good seed. How come there are weeds?" in all the interaction in the text, you would see that the servants spoke with one voice. But David was talking, John 17, last week, and I said he was trying to preach my message. Well, the main thing that Jesus prayed for above anything else is for oneness. Between Christ's ascension and its return, one of the most important things that the church needs to protect is the unity of the believers. Even when these disciples and the servants were perplexed, they spoke with one voice. It is one thing to worship God, oh Lord, you are the savior, you are Lord, oh God, I trust you with all my mind when everything seems to be working fine. It is one thing for you to fellowship now where everything seems to go well, but if the enemy throw in a curved ball and all of a sudden things start moving in different direction contrary to what God has promised you, will you still speak with one voice? And notice that the servants did not go and start looking for professional help to determine what was going on. They went straight to the master. How often, when things are not working out, we go seek people's opinion rather than seeking the face of God. They spoke with one voice. Concept of unity is so important in God's church. Not only in John 17 did Jesus pray about unity. You see in Acts 1 verse 14 that the Bible says that the disciples were all together. In verse 23, 24, 26, they said they prayed together. They chose the disciples together. They cast lot together. In chapter 2, it says that they were all together before the Spirit came. In chapter 5, verse 12, it said they were gathered together. The famous text, chapter 2, verse verse 42, they had everything in common. Even in chapter 8, when they were scattered, they were scattered preaching the word. The complexities and the attacks of the enemy did not destroy the unity and the oneness that they had. Are you growing in unity with one another? Are you growing in love or you're so focused on your own individual pursuit that you neglect your responsibility towards the brothers and sisters in Christ? The natural response, therefore, is that, Lord, if this is not what you did, Lord, can we just uproot them and get rid of them? And he says, No. How do you respond to God's no? The last time you prayed for something, for God to do something, and he didn't do it, how did you respond? And, 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 and in the text, it looks so difficult and so that Christ is so concerned about our need. And he says, no, Lord, why would you say no? The weed has the capacity to choke me and, and, and to sap away my joy. Why would you say no when this person keeps hurting me? Why do you say no when this person keeps doing the thing again and again and again? The last time I checked, 77 times 7 is not an easy number to forgive? Why did he say no? You may not see it, but you and I need to worship him and say, thank God he said no. Because if we're honest, we're not weeds all the time. We're not saints all the time, brothers and sisters. And if God gives permission for people to be uprooted. Maybe the time of the uprooting will be when you look more like weeds than weeds. Oh, we pray. The child will be familiar with the kind of charismatic movement where where, where you pray your enemy to die, your die, die, your enemy die, your enemy die. Do you know how many people you've offended? If every one of us is praying for each person to die, none of us will be alive. God's no means that in season when you are more like weeds, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When was the last time you worshipped God and said, Lord, thank you? Other people would have written me off, but you did not give up on me. But he also said no. Why? Because today's weed can be tomorrow's wheat. The sinners you see today and the people that afflict you, as long as they have breath, potentially can be saved by your faithfulness to the gospel. God taking them away will make you irrelevant and redundant. God's know is not to hurt you, brothers and sisters. Have you stopped growing because the pain seems to be increasing? Let me just say to you. Evil people will continue to, be, to grow in their wickedness. You have the responsibility to ensure that you don't become passive because of the evil around you. You also need to grow. Have you stopped growing because of the things that are against you? Grow, brothers and sisters. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Just as he chose you before the foundation of the world to be homeless, um, holy and without blame. You are accepted in the beloved. He that has given you everything. He that has given you his own son. How can he not give you all the other things that you are praying for? God has given you his best. Don't trivialize it. God has given you Christ. And if God doesn't do anything, enough, anything else, you better appreciate him and give him thanks that your soul and your internal destiny is secured. The more we focus, on the difficulties of our situations, the more we magnify it, we we make it big, and and the more we we focus on it, we make Christ so small. And the riches of his blessings towards us become so insignificant. And we we start feeling that the things that are against us are so big, and the one that is for us is so small. The one that is for you, brothers and sisters, is no one else but the one that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Is the one that is the king of righteousness. Is the one that is the king of the ages. Is the one that makes promises and is faithful to keep him. That's why David can say, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the made showeth his handiwork. There is no person that can measure the significance of who Christ is. There is no far-seeing telescope that can bring into visibility the shoreless of His supplies to you, brothers and sisters. The God that you serve is able to supply every of your needs. Is the one that can give you strength when you're weak. Is the one that is available when you are tempted. Is the one that sympathizes and saves you. Is the one that guards and guides you. Is the one that cleanses the leper. Is the one that forgives sinners. Is the one that discharges the debtors. Is the one that defends the feeble. It's okay if you're weak, but you've got a Christ that is great. His office is manifold. His promises is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercies are everlasting. His love never changes, brothers and sisters. And he tells us his grace is sufficient. And his burden is light. If you're discouraged today, brothers and sisters, as S.M. Lockridge said, go to him. He's invited you to come into his throne of grace. If you become confused and overwhelmed because of the weeds and the difficult people in your life, God is saying to each and every one of us, do not faint. I have promised you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. If the enemy could not stop him from giving you salvation, it cannot stop him from bringing about your glorification. Amen. So do not faint. Grow. Grow. Do not give up. Grow. The things that are discouraging you today, as the text said, one day there will be no more. As the song says, soon is, very soon we are going to see our king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are going to see the king. The tears will be no more. Get back up again, brothers and sisters. Grow in the things of God. He that is for you is greater than the things that are against you. Let us pray. Father, our situation does not need to change, O Lord, in order for us to grow in grace. And as we leave, we know that we're going home to difficult situation. But Father, help us to have that assurance that we have Christ. Who intercedes for us. Who has promised that he will come one day and death and our sufferings will be no more. But in the interim, help us to put our hands on the plow and not to look back. So encourage that brother, that sister, that person that is on the verge of giving up. Help them, O Lord, to gaze on you. To look unto you, Jesus, for you are the author and finisher of their faith. This we ask for in Jesus' name. Amen.